Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. But anyway, it's good. It's good to be here. But you know, the real Super Bowl was 2,000 years ago when my Jesus stomped on the serpent's head and crushed the devil forever. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, that was quite a surprise to Satan. He thought he really had this thing won. He really thought, here we go, I am killing this king of kings. What he didn't know was that he was the real king of kings, the Lord of hosts. Amen? Amen. Well, good to see you this morning. Open your Bibles this morning to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. Hallelujah. I just want to read this whole chapter this morning. I want to read it. We're not going to stay here, but I want you to receive the word as a seed in your heart so that you know who your God is. I know that you know, but you need to know that you know that you know in your knower who God is. Amen. Isaiah 40. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, talking about John Baptist here. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and, it's, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The, gla- the grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But... The word of our God stands forever. Now here from nine on is really, I want you to understand. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, that's us, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might. With his arm ruling for him, behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance the hills and a pair of scales. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has his counselor has informed him? 
With whom did he consult and whom gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him in the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beast enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself skillful craftsmen to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know and have you not heard and has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in? He it is who reduces rulers to nothing who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars the one who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might. He increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Sometimes we've been taught and we have this idea in our mind that somehow there was this great fight between God and Satan in heaven. Can I share with you this morning? He simply plucked him out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand who he is? Do you understand who your God is? Do you know your God, the creator of everything? Satan has no power except what the Lord might give him. We don't understand the ways, but that's what the scripture says. And so we listen. We carefully attend our ear so that we know who the Lord is. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we thank you for the scripture, Lord, that speaks to us, that teaches us, that shows us who you are. Yes, Lord, we, uh, we come to you and you alone for our answers, Lord. And Lord, in your infinite wisdom, you have found and made a way to speak to us individually as well as corporately. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to our minds. 
Lord, make us aware of who you are and who we are in you, God. We might be changed forevermore and those around us might be changed, God. Help us to understand the, the game's end is near and there is work to do, Lord, and we must be sober-minded and understand that each day, Lord God, is your day. And so we bless you this morning and give you all glory and all God's people said. Amen. Well, over the past few weeks, we have been talking about David. Specifically, we've been looking at David and his anointing and his confidence and his battle with Goliath and his trust in the Lord of hosts. And so I started out with that um, in, 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 in preparing a few weeks ago, and, and I just couldn't escape this Phrase, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. Just how God puts something on your heart, you know, that, that no matter what, you, you just, he won't let you let go of it. In 1 Samuel 16, 12, we read that David is brought before Samuel and the Lord says to Samuel, arise and anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. I love that scripture because we know David had error in his life. We know that he had sin in his life. But because he was a man of character that repented and confessed, God is able to restore and from that day forward, he is anointed by God. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we looked at the entire story of David and Goliath. We saw how the enemy came before the entire army of God, and they sent their champion to taunt them. And then how David goes out and slays the giant. And I pointed out that in the story that we learn a real historic event that took place but we also learn to see it as a metaphor or an allegory, if you will, of how we might, like David, be able to handle and approach the enemy or the giants in our lives. I firmly believe that these physical things and pictures and, and stories that we hear, all of them are so layered by God with stories that relate to where we are. And how you could maybe read about Jonah and the whale and, and read a story about Jonah and the whale. But then you could also read it about how someone rebelled against God and God dealt with them, but they were restored. And so I see these stories like that. In my mind, I visualize David there. And in my mind, I visualize him with a spiritual battle like us with a spiritual battle that we have an enemy. We have giants in our lives. The story shows how David, who was a shepherd, was serving his father, was called before King Saul, that he tried on the king's armor, and he set aside Saul's armor. He took his stick, and he picked up some stones, and he went on his way to battle, stones that God provided on his way to battle. And I'm going to repeat it again so that you guys understand, because we don't have everything available to us at the moment when we set out to work for God. It don't work like that that I know of. He provides. He is our provision. And David slayed the enemy and he took the enemy's sword and he removed, well, you know the story. 
and as wonderful and fascinating and exciting and as cool as I think that story is, it's only a story of one battle, which is an awesome story of a shepherd boy who kills a giant. The real story of David and Goliath, I believe, is this. God anointed his servant, and from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord was mightily upon him. That's what the Scripture tells us. And because of the Spirit of the Lord upon him, David knew who God was, and when David knew who God was, he then understood who he was. That's the story. The story is David knows. We don't know who we are until we get before God and find out who he is so that we can understand who we are. David understood that he wasn't going to kill Goliath, but rather the Lord would. Some of you are fighting your demons by yourself. Some of you are fighting the strongholds by your lonesome. Some of you think that you got this thing and you're going to be just fine. Can I tell you this morning? It's not for you. It's the Lord's battle. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David understood he wasn't going to kill the Philistine. God was just going to use him to do it. Do you understand? Are you hearing me? Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I thought, God, if I could just get this right in my life to understand that everything that I'm doing, everything is about you. And I could just submit to know that you're the Lord of hosts. It doesn't mean I don't do anything. It doesn't mean David didn't do anything. It doesn't mean he didn't go take his stick and pick up stones and slay a giant. He doesn't sit back in Saul's tent and says, oh, he's dead now. No. He has a part. He has a role. He has a purpose. He has a place. He has a call. And he does his thing. And God does his thing. You come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come unto you in the name of the Lord of hosts, and this day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. And then David says, why? That all the earth may know there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I love that. I love that David doesn't take an attitude that he's going to get all the credit. He gives it to the Lord and then our hands. Ministry is in our hands. It's what we do. It's not a single pastor model anymore, folks. The church has to wake up and become the five-fold ministry that God has designed it to be. Each of you are gifted and each of you are called. You say, well, I don't really know what my call is or I don't hear from God about my call. Well, I can promise you the problem's not on his side. That's a good place for an amen. amen. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. 
the Lord of hosts, Selah. And David knew who his God was. And David knew who he was. This is the story of David and Goliath. This is our story too. Last night at the orchard, Cheryl uh, started a teaching on baptism. It's a two-week teaching, so you're, you can come out next Saturday night and catch the end of it if you like. Join us in learning about baptism. Did an awesome job. One of the scriptures she read was from Matthew 3.11 where John Baptist was declaring to the Pharisees and yet everyone really that he baptized with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And isn't it amazing that that takes place and we see in Acts the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire, God's all-consuming fire. It says he is a consuming fire. And there's this recognition. This is my symbol. I'm putting a fire there. And God does that for us. I haven't seen any tongues of fire over our heads, but I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit and minister to others like no one else can. And I think God has that for us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And while you're turning there, I'll remind you, if you've said yes to the Lord, you've confessed and repented and turned and submitted yourself to God, then you are anointed with the Holy Spirit. Let's read Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter in John 6, 68 and 69 says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Turn now to Revelation 1. May I encourage you that if you're not in a, a Bible study or a meeting with fellow Christians that you do so? The enemy desires to separate you from the flock as much as possible and you need to put yourself in the middle of the flock. Amen? Amen. That's a good word this morning. Revelation 1. And we're not going to study this, but I want you to be blessed by its reading this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. Now this is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. 
And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. Now, John's talking about an angel is coming to him to tell him things. Who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear these words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Can I ask you and tell you this morning that if you read this and heed this, you will be blessed? It's not really a formula. When it says read and heed, there's more to it than just reading and doing. It's accepting it in your heart that you might live it out and you will be blessed. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits are who before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, so it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice like the sounds of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. Is that a good word this morning? Amen. Now, I've got all that out of the way. I think I can start with this week's message. Okay. We're talking about David. Why was David a man after God's own heart? Turn with me this morning to Psalm 23. As we look at Psalm 23. Amen. This is very familiar. Again, sometimes our familiarity works against us if we're not careful. Um, Colby's putting it up here. I think, let's look up here. We're going to read it together. And if you don't mind, would you humor me and just read it out loud with me? 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you think David might have known who his God was? There's a reason we read this scripture so much at different places and different ceremonies and even funerals. It's because it, it just encapsulates God as who he is and who we are in him. And David understood this. Now, turn in your Bibles or page over or maybe right next to it. We're going to look at Psalm 24. And I don't think I'll get through all of this. And so we'll probably split it in two. We'll finish it up next week. Hopefully that's a little commercial to get you to come back. If I do a good job, we'll see, right? Psalm 24 is divided into three parts. In verses 1 and 2, we have the Lord's claim. In verses 3 to 6, we have the Lord's call. And in verses 7 to 10, we have the Lord's coming. Let's read it. The earth is the Lord and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers or the floods, as the King James says. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood or vanity and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. And there's really no known translation for Selah. It's interpreted, but it's not known. But it's in the Psalms because it's believed to be some type of musical instruction to musicians or to those who are singing the choir, if you may. But we kind of translate as may it be so or so be it. Or in some cases, I've heard one pastor say, so there, what do you think of that? Or it's a pause to say, reflect on this. This is a good word. Listen to me when I tell you these things. That's Selah. Amen? I love the word. You'll probably hear it a lot. Verses 1 and 2, we have his claim. 3 to 6, we have the call. And 7 to 10, we have the Lord's coming. The Lord's claim. 
1 Corinthians 10, 26 says this, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. John 1 and 3 says this, All things, say all things, were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16 and 7 says it this way, For by him all things, say all things, were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I love it. All things hold together by Jesus Christ. The Lord's claim. Verses 1 and 2, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Verses 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all who dwell in it. Not just those who are saved, not just to the Jews, not just to some special remnant sometimes we have a mind on. No, all of creation, all who dwell in it are His. He has founded it upon the seas and established it on the rivers or the floods. David knows who his God is. When David pens this, he knows who his Lord is. It's a song to his God. Verses 3 through 6 is the Lord's call. Let's read it. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to another or to falsehood or to vanity and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of who, those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob, Selah. Psalm 24 is one of the psalms where David writes to commemorate or, or celebrate the Lord's entrance into Zion. And if you remember the story, they blew it the first time because they didn't do it God's way. And then they do it God's way and they have this great procession, this great parade, if you may, that they're coming to Mount Zion. And it's full of worship. The Lord's entrance into Zion. And in Jerusalem, there are two locations that are known to be his places. One is the hill, which is listed here in verse 3. And the hill is Mount Zion. And the second is the holy place, which is listed here in 3. Who may stand in his holy place? And that's Mount Moriah where the temple is. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord, Mount Zion? This is David's tabernacle. It's where 24-7 worship is going on. It's where they bring the ark. It's totally different than the other tabernacle before it. And it is a place where God's people are worshiping. I know, I know that I know that Pastor Bill's heart was to see David's tent because he preached and talked about it all the time that he wanted the church to be alive with worship. Mm -hmm. 
Mount Zion, who can ascend it? And who may stand in his holy place? Mount Moriah, the temple, made clean, made righteous. And we see both of these. And if we're not careful, we're looking at a church sometimes that we have churches that are great at worship. And they do a wonderful job at worship, but there's a shallowness to it. And we don't want to be that church. And then there's a church that if you ride down the road about 10 miles, they'll tell you we're a word church. And they're what I call the chosen frozen. They're they're dead. (laughs) They're not dead in their trespasses. They're just dead. Okay? I'm just saying. I'm telling you our heart is that this church be alive with the love of Christ, with people who love to worship, but people that aren't shallow, that seek the treasures of God, that know the word and want to know the word more because they've got a taste of it and it's not enough and they want to go deeper. And I don't know how to accomplish that except we come and you come and you make it so. Amen? Amen. And who can ascend that that hill, David says, and who can ascend the holy place and who can stand in it? Verse 4, he says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And last night I shared this a little bit. You know, the the story of clean hands is is out here. It's it's a visible thing. It's it's clean hands. Cheryl's talking about baptism last night and talking about how the priests go to the laver and they must wash or they'll die. Now, thank God we're in a New Testament. But you get the picture. Clean hands, washed hands. Washed of what? They don't mean they don't get dirty. It means they're washed, they're cleansed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the pure heart talks about what's inside of us. And, And last night I said even that when our hands are reflective, our inside, and our hands are good and clean, means our inside is good and clean. And vice versa. When our heart is clean, our hands should be clean. We come before the Lord and we're living a life of of godliness before Him. We want to try to live a holy life. It's what we're designed to do. It's not about works, lest any man should boast. It's about your heart. When your heart is right, the things you do will be right. I'm a hypocrite of hypocrites. I'm not up here this morning telling you that I've got all that together because I do not. I wish I did. We're working and we're striving and we're pressing on. Anybody else? Oh my gosh, you guys are quiet this morning. It's okay to shout in here. If you get too loud, I'll settle you out. Don't worry. There's only one way to get this heart. There's only one way to get these hands. For us, it's the blood of Christ. It's Calvary. It's resurrection. It's the Holy Spirit that's sent to comfort us, to live in us, to show us the way. We have an answer for this. You see, the disciples didn't know it, but somehow a thousand years earlier, David knew it. We'll talk about that more next week. Somehow David knew who's going to ascend and how to ascend. Perhaps it was because he was anointed for all his days. In verse 5, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. Verse 6, this is, this is 
the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Pastor Bill used to say, how close do you, can you get to Jesus? As close as you want to be. We were down at a men's retreat in North Carolina. And Pastor Bill did a teaching and there was some guys there that maybe didn't know him that well and, and thought, boy, it'd be cool to know him. And I said, well, you can get as close to Bill as you want to get. It's that simple. There's people in your life and you're saying they're great role models or they're great people. Put yourself in their presence. If, if, if their Christianity and their walk is something that you admire, get before them. It's okay. But obviously, get before Jesus. Those who seek his face, the generation that seek his face, that's who's going to be blessed. Amen. Let me get the praise team back up. And while they're coming up, we're going to close today because I want to save the rest of Psalm 24 for next week because it's too much to cover in the next 10, 15 minutes. Can I share with you this morning that we serve? There's no words. We serve an awesome God. If you only knew how good he is, if you only knew what he could do in your life, if you only knew what he could do with you, your life would be changed. And some of you are, but some of you aren't. Some of us are still not where we need to be. I don't say that in condemnation. I say that to encourage you, to encourage you. The Lord has much, much more for us. And I just uh, look forward to the day where our Father in heaven can commission us to the ministry that we would do to affect our families, our towns, our community, our country. Pastor Carl reported last night that at Asbury College, there's a, there's a revival breaking out amongst youth. That's apparently pretty profound. Some of you are shaking your heads. Man, wouldn't it be great if the young people swept the nation for Jesus? Say amen. amen. Stand with me this morning as we reflect on having a pure heart and clean hands. for joining us for today's message you know we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime if you're ever in our area 
you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.